0: John's Gospel 19, we're only going to read a couple of verses, but we'll be looking at other scripture as well. Verse 23, then the soldiers when they had crucified Jesus took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled with Seth? They parted my raiment among them, and for my vester did they cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for... Bring in so many out tonight, we pray in the name of Jesus that everyone would leave here touched by the Spirit of God, encouraged, strengthened, convicted, compelled. Whatever you deem necessary and fit in this meeting, we pray, O oh God, that you, Lord, would meet them at every single place, part and point of their need. And Father, we pray that Christ alone would be seen, your Son would be glorified. And Lord, may we leave here richer for being here in the Spirit. And Lord, for those that are watch live or later, we pray you'll give them their portion of the blessing also. We ask it in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. We're told here in verse 23... Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, every soldier a part, and also his coat. Notice that. He took every part of his clothing. They took every part of his garments. And they separated them between themselves. And left over was a seamless coat that we read in the next verse. Notice verse twenty four They said therefore among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled with self. They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture did they cast lots. So we're told the soldiers did these things. Here's what I want, and I've written right at the top, the first line. Here's what I've written. The Lord Jesus was crucified naked. I think about this. The Lord Jesus was crucified naked. Apuleius, the philosopher of the early second century... He was a philosopher and he mentions many aspects of life if you read into some of his writings. And in certain circumstances, comparing situations with others, with people, there was a saying around his time went about, and this is the saying, as naked as a newborn babe, we would have that today. Oh, they're they're as naked as the day they were born, we might say as naked as a newborn babe, or, this is what they said, as the crucified. As naked as a newborn babe, or as the crucified. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, naked. Hung between heaven and earth, on a cross, on a gibbet, on a Roman torture implement, And he was hung between heaven and earth, displayed for all the passers-by to see him. They parted his garments and cast lots for his coat, or as it's known as, his vesture. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified for you, naked. Think about this. And the Roman soldiers had stripped the Master. They crucified and shared between them his garments. Here's what I'd written when I thought of this The Lord who came into this world, a newborn babe, came in naked and then was wrapped in swaddling cloths. He went out naked as a man and was later wrapped in burial clothes. He came in naked. And he was wrapped in swaddling cloths, and he went out naked. He was wrapped in burial clothes. Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet says in verse 1: In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Listen, and his train filled the temple. The glorious. Robes of the visions of Christ. The glorious robes. The train as it were of his robes. Filled the house. And he left it to become naked as a baby. Jesus left that throne. To enter through the matrix of the womb of the virgin. As a baby. Naked. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, this is what it says. Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. The Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 is sitting with regal robes, seraphim, worshipping him. Above him stood to serve him. And each one had six wings with twain. He covered his face with twain. He covered his feet with twain or with two. He did fly and one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This majestic one, as it were, stepped down off the throne, took off his royal robes, was born through the womb of the virgin, naked, left the riches of glory to be born in a lowly stable to a virgin girl. And then as his death came, they stripped him of all the earthly garments he had and they nailed him to the tree. Jesus let go. You ready? Of everything, even his very last bit of clothing. And how poorer, how poorer can one be than this crucified, naked? you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Here is the reason of the crucified one, the beautiful Christ of God. And the reason that he came to be crucified is found in Genesis chapter 3. We find Adam's race. And Adam had fallen. And he died. He died in relationship with God because of his sin, died in fellowship with God. And then he died physically before God in latter years. Genesis chapter 3, please. Let your eye run down to verse 7. Notice this is Adam and Eve. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Notice they knew that they were naked and they sowed fig fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I have heard thy voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Notice that. Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now notice this. Adam and Eve realized after their sin that they were naked. An age of innocency had passed from them. An age of innocency had passed from them. Just like a little baby and a young child could run around without any clothes on, thinking in their innocency, there's nothing wrong with this. Yet as we grow up, we realize our nakedness and our shame of it, and we cover up. not that age of innocency, before God was taken from Adam and Eve, uh, some say it was the garment of light. they find without that garment they're naked. First thing they do is they try to sew fig leaves. It's fig relief religion comes out of it. Trying to cover up our own sin and trying to make amends, trying to make atonement for our own sin. We're still doing it today. People still try to do it through religion and ceremonialism and uh, and ritualism and, and sacrificial worship of other things. The Lord comes and he sees the aprons of fig leaves. And as he sees them, he's calling. Adam, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? Absolutely, he did. Of course he did. Then why did he call him? Because Adam must come out and stand before God and admit his guilt. See, a sinner can't be saved from their sin until they realize they're a sinner, until they realize they must stand before God and ask for forgiveness. Where are you, Adam? And Adam comes out, he says, we hid ourselves. I'm paraphrasing for time. We hid ourselves because we were naked. We were ashamed. We were naked. The Lord says, who told thee I was naked? Adam, how did you know? How did you know? The age of innocency and purity had gone, and from that age on, you find nakedness and sin go hand in hand throughout the Scripture. I've picked a couple of these for you to look at. Would you go to Ezekiel chapter 16 for me, please? Ezekiel chapter 16. And there's just a few that we're going to look at here, just a few verses we'll skip across, so bear with me. Ezekiel 16 and verse 6. And the Lord here is speaking through the prophet before they're carried away, before the house of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, are carried away into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And then we read Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den, and so on. And before that happens, he's speaking to Jerusalem same place where years later he's in a body of flesh naked on a tree. I take that in. The living God, the Word, the Son. Notice Ezekiel 16 and verse 6. Ezekiel 16 and verse 6 says, the Lord says, And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, and I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. God's showing them, look who you are now, Jerusalem. Look where I've brought you from, Jerusalem. Your sin and your helplessness and your hopelessness, people of Judah, Israel. And I'm the one who has garnished you and blessed you and helped you and kept you and redeemed you from the enemies. Formed you into this wonderful city. The princess of the provinces. Says Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 1, 2, 3. The princess of the provinces. The jewel of the Middle East. says, I have decked you out. Notice, whereas I was naked and bare. Verse 8. Now when I pass by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time... Was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, Be, and thou becamest mine. Do you know what the Lord means? He spread his skirt over it. It means he brought her, that is, Israel, then Israel separates into the two kingdoms. The northern kingdom's gone. Israel's gone. It's now Judah and the southern kingdom. Jerusalem is the capital city. And he says, I found you in your sin, and I came and I spread my skirt over you. I married you, Israel. I married you. And now you've turned into a harlot. I give you everything you wanted. I decked you with beauty. And now you've turned into a harlot. That's all right, just for time's sake. Let it run down to verse 22. And in all thine abominations and thy whoredoms, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth when thou was naked and bare and was polluted in thy blood. And when it came to pass after all thy wickedness, Woe, woe unto thee, saith the Lord. Notice the Lord says you were in your abominations, in your whoredoms, and you remember not the days of your youth when you were naked and bare before me. In other words, you're sinning before me and you're like someone naked and bare and I want to clothe you. I want to clothe you. Let your eye run down to verse 35, please. Listen to what the Lord says. Starts to build up and he says, you read that chapter when you go home. You see how God is blessing. It's like a woman who's decked with everything she has. She's got her husband and he's given her everything. She's turning into a heart at autumn. Notice here verse 35. Wherefore, O heart, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, notice thy filthiness was poured out Thy nakedness discovered through thy whoredoms with thy lovers, and all the idols of thy abominations, and and the blood of thy children which thou didst give unto them. Behold, therefore I will gather all thy lovers with whom thou hast taken pleasure, and all them that thou hast loved, and all them that thou hast hated, and I will even gather them round about against thee, and will discover thy nakedness unto them, that they may see all thy nakedness, and I will judge thee as a woman that break wedlock and shed blood, and shed blood are judged. And I will give thee blood in fury and jealousy. And I will also give thee to, to their hand, and they shall throw down thine eminent place and shall break down thy high places. They shall strip thee also of thy clothes and shall take thy fur jewels and leave thee naked and bare. Here's what Yahweh, here's what Jehovah God is saying to Jerusalem and Judah, the city. A lot of Judah is gone. Now they're enemies encroaching into the city of Jerusalem. Listen to what he says. He says, see all those things you love See all the other nations around about you want to be like. See all the people that you've held on to. The things that your hearts desired. And the sin. The idolatry. The adultery before me that is because he is their husband. He says I'll gather them all and you'll see that they'll all hate you in the end of it and kill you. They'll destroy you. The enemy will come in. And they'll ravage and rape you Jerusalem. And take you away like a woman, a harlot, and a whore. Thus will the enemy do unto thee. It's your nakedness, he says, is before me. Can I just say a little word? Ulster has gone the same way. Ulster has gone the same way. Britain has gone the same way. notice, So nakedness and sin, that's only one other, two other, few other scriptures that are linking them together. And to think that the one who is saying this, the husband who's crying this over a wife who has been in multiple affairs, as it were, spiritually before her husband, Yahweh, God, Jehovah, whatever we call him. He now looks and he's lamented and he's cried over her. Now he's putting her out of the house as it were. And now he comes in John's gospel and he's in flesh. And he goes to the cross and they strip him of all their garments, his garments. they share one out of peace between four soldiers. And they come to garment number five. And it's too beautiful, and it's all of one woven, no seam. That's cast lots for it. In the meantime, this God is in flesh, hanging on the cross, naked. Naked. Turn with me to Revelation 16. Revelation chapter sixteen, please. And let your eye run down to verse fifteen. The coming Christ says these words: "Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his was to say, garments, his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame." Notice the Lord. Who has risen from the dead and ascended into glory is coming back again. And he says, Next time I'll find you in your nakedness, I will not be naked again, he says. And I will find you in your nakedness. You might say, Well, what do I do? I'll tell you what you do. You trust in the finished work of Christ, his blood on the cross. You come to saving faith and give your life to him and he clothes you with a garment of righteousness. And you're clothed and you're washed and you're ready that you're not found naked before him when he comes. I'm saying this and I'm not saying it in a a senseless way. I'm saying it in a spiritual and truth and wholesome way. Is there anybody naked here? I'm speaking to someone that's naked before God. What do you mean? Unsaved. In your sin. Maybe even backslidden, you've thrown off your righteous garment. Is there someone here and you're naked before God? Friend, I want to tell you, the soldiers crucified Jesus, took his garments and he was naked. You know what this tells me? he not only took my sin, he not only took my sickness, he took all my shame. I have much shame, much to be ashamed of, but Christ even bore the very shame. He was crucified naked. Will you turn with me again back to John 19, please? And notice here, something about the vesture The garments of Christ. John 19 and verse 23. The soldiers when they had crucified Jesus took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam and woven from the top throughout. Notice this. The coat was woven without seam. Woven from the top throughout. A seamless tunic. It was a seamless tunic and it gives the idea of the role, you ready? Remember this one who was naked and then put on burial clothes was put on him and he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. This gives the idea, you ready, of the great high priest of Israel. Turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 28, please. Exodus chapter 28. And let your eye run down to verse 31. Notice, and I shall put the robe of ephod all of blue. And there shall be a hole where? In the top of it. Notice, in the top of it. That's important. In the top of it, in the midst thereof, it shall have a binding of woven work Round about the whole of it, as it were the whole of a habergeon, that it be not, what does it say? Rent. rent. This is the garments of the high priest, that it be not a rent. And beneath upon the hem of it thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet, And round about the hem thereof, the bells of gold between them round about. And the gold bell and the pomegranate, and the gold bell and the pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister, and his sound shall be heard. Notice, his sound shall be heard when he goeth into the holy place. Note that, underline that, that's very important. His sound shall be heard when he goeth into the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of, the sig- of a signet, holiness unto the Lord. So here is this seamless robe. It's got starts at the top. And it's not to be rent. And the soldiers wouldn't rend it. And here it was. It was seamless and it went over uh, the, the very head of the high priest of Israel. And as it went down then, around the very hem of it was a, a, a bell and then a pomegranate, and then a bell, and then a pomegranate, and a bell, and a pomegranate, and a bell, and a pomegranate, and a bell, and a pomegranate, the whole way round, the hem of it. And know what it was? It was so they could hear the sound of the high priest. And he goes into the holy place once a year. And when he goes in, he comes in with the blood, and he sprinkles the furniture, and there's the Ark of the Covenant. And there is the, the lid, was the mercy seat. It's known mercy, the, the mercy seat of God. And there was a cherubim angel carved out facing one and the other facing the other way and two wings touched each other. And there between the cherubims, there would come the glory of the Lord. Here is the sinner. Here is the mercy. Here is the glory. And it's about to consume the sinner. But when he sees the blood the blood that was on the mercy seat, the blood that was on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, the sinner was released and he was found not guilty. Notice he went around that little room with the blood. And there's a great big curtain down. That curtain when Christ hung naked and cried, it is finished. And the curtain was rent from the top. Remember that? That curtain he was behind there. you're And so they would have listened. And they had a rope around his waist or his leg. And he went in, and all they could hear was the tinkling of a bell against a pomegranate. A bell, and they heard us tinkling as he walked around ministering. That's what the noise is. They were speaking off in the scripture. And you see them up to the curtain. Is the high priest still alive? I said, Hold on. I can hear the sound, the tinkling of the bell and the pomegranate, and they wait a while. It's the glory of the Lord come. Is the high priest still alive? Hold on a minute. I can hear the sound of the bell and the pomegranate and that's how they knew he wasn't consumed in the presence of the Lord. Well, now Jesus is our high priest who's ascended into heaven. The holy of holies into the holy place. Do you know how we know he's alive today? Do you know how you know he's alive in CET today? Because the sound of the bell and the pomegranates. You know, say, Ken, what do you mean? Well, there's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And then there's the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost in the church. The bells are ringing when the Holy Ghost is speaking. And it comes with the very fruit of the Spirit. Is our high priest still alive? Hold on, I'll let you know what's it like there in CET. Is the Holy Ghost moving? Absolutely. Christ is still alive. And he's there applying the blood. See on his breast here. The high priest had 12 stones on a breastplate. The breastplate was called the breastplate of judgment. Israel's name was in every stone, every tribe, every one of us were guilty before God. We are sinners. And when he sees that, that's all of us, he prays as though our sin is his sin. He ministers as though our sin is his sin. And he applies the blood to the mercy. Christ is our propitiation. That means mercy. And that was the propitiation. That lid of the covenant was the propitiation or the mercy seat of God. I'll, I'll tell you about propitiation. I've told you before, in case you haven't remembered or in case somebody's never heard it before. Here's an example. So if you leave here and you go way over towards the hills, over towards Refrain direction, over towards Kilkeen direction there, you're going to come to uh, Silent Valley. And you get out of the car park and you walk up through the car park. There's a nice wee duck pond there and suddenly there's a great big green hill. And along the top, you can walk along the top and there's a big wall and you'll find that behind that, what you don't realize until you get on top of that, there's, I don't know how many, millions and billions, maybe, I don't know what it is, of gallons of water. And you're way down at the bottom, and it's way above you. You're away at the bottom of the pool, as it were. If that broke, we'd all just get washed away. So propitiation is like this. It's like, uh, it's like you standing, let's make it ridiculous, okay? And you're standing at the foot of that great big wall and there is that great big wall going up hiding all that water behind it and holding it there and say it's, a, say it's a thousand foot tall and say it's a thousand miles that way and it goes a thousand miles that way and suddenly you see a crack coming down that wall you're going to well, lie out of here aren't you well can you imagine trying to run a thousand miles was no hope you. There's no, or a thousand miles there's no hope you're not getting that way either you're lost you're doomed you're damned you're done Nowhere to go, and there's no escape. You can't run backwards, it just will burst and out on you. You're hopeless. And suddenly the crack opens and the dam busts. Trillions upon trillions of gallons upon gallons of water pours out in a torrent all at once. And you know all you can do is stand and take the judgment of this. The wrath of it. That's all you can do. You can do nothing but take everything that it is going to give you. Everything that it is going to throw at you. And suddenly as it's just about to overcome you and consume you. The ground opens up. A big chasm opens up. And the water pours down at it at your feet. Every single part of it. Every single drop of it. And you look and there's not even a splash mark on your shoe. That's propitiation. That all the wrath of God is behind that wall, as it were. Ready to burst without hope or help to consume us. And we have no escape. We have no way of getting out of it. We're just going to have to take the wrath and the judgment that lies ahead of us. But you see, the blood was applied to the mercy seat. It's called the propitiation. And the blood was applied to what happened. As it were, the chasm opened up. But Christ on the cross, the sky turned black. The Father's wrath was poured out upon him. Every single drop of it, every single spot of it, every little bit of it, And there's not, as it were, one splash of it to be upon the shoe, as it were, the shoe of the soul of the man and the woman who have trusted in Christ. And you're saved. So the high priest goes in and he applies the blood. Oh, the wrath would come and wipe out all of Israel, all the encampment. And he comes and he applies it and the glory comes down and that would just wipe all out. And there comes the glory and sees the blood. And the wrath of God is appeased. But when he sees the blood of his son, the greater blood than animals, of calves and bulls and goats, God's not, wrath isn't appeased. He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he's well pleased with what he's done on Calvary's tree. He's well pleased. Notice, the gifting of the Spirit tells us Our great high priest who's ascended into the heavens is alive. Presenting the blood. His own finished work. And then he pours out of his spirit. Notice in Hebrews 4 and 4, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest which has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. I'm trusting that Christ is praying for me. It's like the old hymn writer said, Charles Wesley, there for me, the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love, I know I feel. Jesus lives and he loves me still. Hallelujah. He loves me. Imagine that. I could, Lord. He is, not in the, he is not in the Levitical priesthood that Aaron here was in, but rather that priesthood was done away with when Christ cried, it is finished. The temple priesthood was done away with completely. And the new priesthood, which was from aeons of age, from Genesis uh, chapter 14, when Abraham met the king of Salem, and he paid tithes unto him, you'll find that that Melchizedek priesthood The king of righteousness, it means. That Melchizedek priesthood is the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a side light for you. You ready? Verse 23 of our reading, if you'll turn to it again. Verse 23 says, Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout the the coat was without seam, woven from the top Three See the word top. I told you to note that. It's important. <clears throat> woven from the top. It's a word that is found in the New Testament Greek and it's called anathon. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 3 says except the man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he says in verse 5 except the man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And the idea of born again or born of water in the spirit it means born from above. Holy Ghost regeneration called of God elect in his will and purpose. Except the man and the woman be born again, they cannot see nor enter the kingdom of God. It's the exact same word for woven from the top. You've got to be born again from the top down. Not from man's work, figly for religion up. Not from denominationalism up, from the top down. For example, again in James chapter 1, And verse 17, James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. It means from the top. Cometh from God. Born again of God. Now note this, Mark 15 and verse 38. Christ on that cross. The one who cried over Jerusalem in Ezekiel 16. The one who cried over Jerusalem throughout the Gospels. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, now that us the prophets and killest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I gather thy children together, even as a hen doth gather her chickens under her wings, and ye would not behold your house, your temple that is, is left unto you desolate. In other words, the whole priesthood, the whole line is finished. It's done away with. And here this naked one outside on the cross is the same God who cried as the same one who's now interceding in heaven. Does it make sense to you? And notice this. Mark 15 and 38, and the veil of the temple was rent from the, from the top. Now, I just need just to open this just two minutes for you. It's not as simple as this veil could have been up to 60 feet tall you think about that. You look at a, a, an apartment block or a block of flats. How many, how many stories would that be? Five stories high? Four, five, six stories high? Maybe more? Johnny, your brother, do you know? Five or, six five or six stories high? This curtain, was that? And some say it was up to maybe four inches or more thick. It was impossible to tear. It was impossible to rip. And this one who had all his clothes taken off him, hanging on the cross, the wrath of God has been poured out upon him for your propitiation where you find mercy. And now he looks and he sees the temple. Probably, I'll, I'll probably get my head chopped off for this, but not at Gordon's Calvary in Jerusalem. I think, from the Mount of Olives. He has to be further west looking, further east looking west, because the sun comes up and shone and the temple faced east. He had to be this side looking that way. I'll do another study on it another time. And he sees, there he is on his cross, Bearing away our sin, our sickness, and our shame in his own body on the tree. And there he sees, as it were, the very temple from the top to the bottom being rent in two. Oh, well, it just ripped from the top. I think there's more than that. Here's why not just the top of the curtain was rent from the top, born again from the top. Every good gift is from the top, from above. As it were, the invisible hands of his father took that curtain and like a document that you and I could have said all of our sin and our debt upon it that must be paid, he ripped it in two. The son could cry, it is finished. Paid and food, Kim. you're free to go. I'm going to close soon. Thank you for your attention. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 24. Matthew 19, verse 24. And they said, Therefore among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast, cast lots, whose it shall be, what the, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith they parted my garments among them, and for my vest, or did they cast lots. Notice, they said, let's not rend us, but let's gamble for it. And they were actually fulfilling. Imagine the ungodly are fulfilling a prophecy a thousand years old. See our God is that marvelous and he's that powerful and he's that majestic and he's that mighty that he can even get the ungodly to fulfill a prophecy that he has told a thousand years before. And they don't even recognize it, realize it or know it. Will you turn with me to Psalm 22 please? Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is known as the psalm of the cross. A thousand years before it happened. Psalm 23 is known as the psalm of the crook. The shepherd's crook. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Psalm 24 is known as the psalm of the crown. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. In verse 10 of 24. The cross, the crook, and the crown. Now I notice this in Psalm 22. Thinking now, the Savior naked on a cross, watching these men part his garments and then cast lots to gamble. He cries in his passion and as the wrath of God is poured out on him as the penalty of our sins, in verse 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Or as it says in the Gospels, he writes, he cries, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? Which is El is God. God, or uh, that's where they think he was talking about Elijah. It means Yah is my God, or my God is Yah. Let Elijah come and take him down then. Start making fun of him. But he's crying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Christ on the cross cried this. Notice what he says in verse 6. But I am a worm and no man. This is the Son of God. A man of reproach and despised of the people. Notice, they all, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing you delight in him. Is that what they said? If He's the Son of God, come down from the cross. A thousand years before it happened. A thousand years. Notice, let's go on just for a, a few more here. Verse thirteen, they gaped upon me with their mouths as ravening and a roaring lion. Please get this. He's on a cross, naked. Notice what he says, I And poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, and is melt in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For the dogs have compassed me. Who's that? The Roman soldiers. The dogs have compassed me, and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. Who's that? The Jewish priests. They pierce my hands and my feet, he cries. And that was written before the piercing of the feet was commonly known. Notice, I tell on my bones, they look and stare upon me. Verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots for my vesture. Now listen, see the one who gave David this to write? (laughs) He's the same one who's hanging on the cross. He's the same one. And now he's come and He's hanging and bleeding and dying in agony naked on a cross. And he is saying to his father, some believe the Lord possibly even prayed this to himself. He's said, they part my garments among them. And cast lots upon my vesture. And the Roman soldiers are blind to it. How many of us are blind to the word of God? How many men and women out there are blind to the things of God? Blind to what they're doing before God? Blind to the way, their, their ways before God? And these men had no idea what they were doing. The last point is this. Turn to Revelation 19, please. Revelation 19. We we're dining with the youth on Friday night. They're all having fun. And this was running through my head. When we were singing and worshipping and praising, in the back of my head all I could think was this, the Vestor of Christ. The Vestor of Christ. And Andy Steele says, well, what's the titles for Sunday? Because Denise usually puts the posts up for me on Facebook and, and I can't do it myself. I have the clue how to do it. And he says what's the titles and I'll do it for you. Denise was so busy and I said I haven't a clue but I've got the vesture of Christ on my head. And all day yesterday he just sat thinking and meditating on Christ on his cross. I had a blessed day yesterday. (laughs) Notice Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 19 and verse 11. This is the coming Christ. And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flaming fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he hath a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Isn't that powerful? And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, clean and white, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Did you hear that? A rod of iron? Gentle Jesus, meek and might. What would Jesus do when you say that about something? Judge not lest you be judged. Well, he's going to come and he's got a rod of iron and he's got the armies of heaven with him. Be like Jesus. Well, what do you see when Christ returns to every Christ rejecter? It's going to be a terrible day. Notice, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he shall tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, Hallelujah, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. <laughs> he's not coming back this time to hang on a cross. He's coming back on the charger, the white horse, as it were. He's coming back. It gives the idea he's coming back in power and glory and in all authority. His name is called the Word of God. Does that remind you of something? John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Listen, all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And John 1 and 14 says, And the Word, that's the Word that was with God and was God and is God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The only glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth, for him. and they took him, and they kneeled him to the tree, naked. He done it for me. He done it for you, and he's coming back again. King of kings, Lord of lords. And i not ask you to turn here, but when you go home, the blood on his vesture is argued. Is it a reminder of his own blood? I don't think so. The blood on his vesture, you know what it is? Read Isaiah 63, verses 1 to 6. He's coming to trample the grapes of the winepress of his wrath that is coming. He says, see this blood, is to warn them, their blood will be upon me. Because they have refused my blood. To justify them. Read it when you go home. The crucified Christ was crucified naked. But the coming Christ. He's coming dressed in a vesture. With the armies of heaven. He's coming on a charger. Or in glory and in power. And he's coming with the title of deity, King of the Word of God. And he's coming to rule over men, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now that's the one that I love and serve. Bless his word to our hearts tonight and they glorify his own precious name. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. I get excited, but how can you not when you talk about him, hey? My heart just goes dime a dozen. Beaten for him. Bless his name.